Welcome to the Harmony Christian Church Podcast. We hope you are encouraged by today's message. Spiritual warfare, we've been on that for a few weeks now, and I'm going to uh, tap into it once again this morning, and um, some of this will be review, but also have another thought or two that I want to share with you this morning. You see here in this picture, spiritual warfare, and it's basically, you know, th- this is basically what spiritual warfare is. Sometimes we just make it too complicated. We think, uh, man, we got to grit our teeth, and we have to pull our eyebrows down, and we have to, we have to grunt and, and, and groan and, and do everything. And you know, that is really hard. It's, it's not hard because the battle's already won. Jesus Christ defeated the devil at Calvary. And when he was resurrected from the dead, he gave us victory over death. And the devil is defeated. But there's still a battle that we have to fight. But we're fighting a battle that's already been won. Hallelujah. So this picture is very fitting because you just cross your hands and you're going to enter into prayer. You're going to use the word of God. And... So in spiritual battle, I just want to share some, some uh, more thoughts with you on that. But uh, once again, I think I did this one other Sunday, but Pastor Josh had uh, a few quotes that I'd written down from a few weeks ago, uh, three of them that I want to highlight once again. He said, your success in spiritual warfare is directly connected to your identity in Christ. Amen. If you are not connected to Christ, you have no authority over the devil. All of our authority in the spirit realm comes from Jesus Christ. Christ in us. And for us to operate against the wiles of the devil, we have to have Christ in us in a powerful way. We need to have the Holy Spirit flowing in us. Those who are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. And so as we have that communion with Him then we have authority in that spiritual realm. His next quote said this, some are more into demanding the devil than they are communing with the Father, which I think is a a great quote because, once again, if we don't have that relationship of communing with the Father, you are not going to have any power or any authority in commanding the devil. Here's the last quote I wanted to bring up. Uh, praying in Jesus' name is not just a phrase we say, but a relationship we live. How powerful that is. We need to be living in relationship with Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. I have a quote here at the end of the service. I'm just thinking of it now, so I'll go ahead and give it to you. I've been, well, actually, Jackie's been reading the book to me. It's uh, Bob Goff, and it's called uh, Everyone Always. And in that, he has several different quotes, but this one quote is something like this. Some people say, I want to serve the Lord all of my life. What I have set out to do is to obey him 30 seconds at a time. Isn't that good? If we would obey him 30 seconds at a time, then at the end of our life, we will have served him all of our days. And... That's, that's the, the, the devil is going to do everything he can to keep you from being obedient. He's going to do everything he can to keep your mind off of the things of God, to keep you out of the flow of the Spirit. He's going to do all those things that he can to keep you from being who you are 
supposed to be in Christ. Hallelujah. The Apostle Paul, he wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. He says this. It's an amazing statement to me. Philippians 3.10. He says that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death. Does that get you as much as it does me? The Apostle Paul, who wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, who had miraculous things take place, place in his life, who had uh, just an incredible life in Christ, he says that I may know him. I think, to me, it's like, Paul, of all people, you would know him. But he's saying, man, that, that I just know him. It, you know, knowing him is an everyday challenge. This word know has to do with intimate. It actually refers to the marriage consummation. The consummation of a marriage. It's the intimacy, the intertwining, the two becoming one. Is what that word know is actually, that I may know him, that I may be intertwined with him, that I may be in him and he in me, that the two of us become one. So Paul says that I may know him. You know, we have fields out here of corn that are growing and beans. And whenever that corn started, whenever it just started pushing through the ground, that kernel of corn was perfect at that moment. A couple of weeks later, it's beginning to form the blade and the, the stalk. And at that, on that day, it was perfect. Now the ear is being developed, and it's at its perfect stage. Soon we're going to be harvesting, and it's going to be an absolutely perfect crop. That's the way our growth in Christ is. I'm not the same place today that I was in 1972 when I first received Christ Jesus. But at the beginning of my growth with Him, I was into the things of, of God and I was perfect at that stage. Now, how many years later, this is my 50th year, 2022. I'm still seeking God just as much as I ever did, so... Now I am at that perfect stage where I should be. I am knowing him to the best of my ability today. That's the challenge for every one of us. Are you trying to know him? Oh, Paul says that I may know him. Are you trying to know him to the utmost of your ability today? And when we do that, then we begin to realize that there is power in our lives. And I can speak to the devil and command him. Hallelujah. In John 1.38, Jesus asked, he was asked by two of his brand new disciples. And you know, those disciples were in their teens. They were young. They asked him this. They said, where do you live? Interesting question. And you know, Jesus, he always takes a question, and he always takes it beyond what we can imagine. He always wants to get us beyond the physical and into the spirit. And so whenever Jesus is asked, where do you live? There's two time frames that, that it took for him to answer that question. 
It took him about 10 minutes in the first time frame to answer that question, or however long it took for them to get to his house where he laid his head. This right here, this is where I, this is where I sleep. Eat here once in a while. You know, take my sandals off and brush the dirt off. This, this is where I do all that stuff. This is, where, this is where I live. But he wants to take us beyond the physical realm. And he wants to take, take us into the spiritual realm. And so for Jesus in the second time frame, it took him three years with his disciples day in and day out to show them how that in 33 years he lived in the Father. The next scripture, Psalm 91. No, uh, what we have, Philipp Philippians, no, I'm sorry, uh, Psalm 91. Many of you know this. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. So for 33 years, Jesus showed them, this is what I do, this is where I live I dwell, I live, my habitation is in the secret place of the Most High. Yeah, I lay my head over here. I lay my head at 10391 South 600 West. But I'm trying to abide, I'm trying to dwell in the secret place of the Most High. And you shall abide under the, abide, live, to dwell. Going to Abide under the shadow of the Almighty. So for 10 minutes, it took him to show his disciples where he laid his head. But it took 33 years for him to answer that question. Jesus, where do you live? Here's where I live. I live in the secret place. Hallelujah. I live under the shadow of the Almighty. And I wonder how many of us can raise our hand and say, that is what I'm trying to do. Day in and day out. That right there, that is what I'm trying to fulfill in my own life. And whenever I do that, then and only then do I have the power and the authority to speak to the devil and tell him what is going to happen and what, how it's going to be in the name of Jesus Christ. Does that make sense? So I'm challenging you this morning. I, I know, I know how hard this is to do. You know, I was a UPS man for 27 years. I haven't, and it's not any easier whenever you become a pastor to walk in the things of God. It's not any easier. I know the, the pressures that there are in life. I know the time frame that you have to, to work out through. I know dealing with your children, how challenging that can be. I know all the challenge. I, I, I've experienced it. I know. But this is what we're supposed to do. If we would make this our priority, how much easier it would really be for us to do all those other things. So let's begin to be a people who are seeking to dwell in the secret place of the Most High. And to abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Hallelujah. Later in uh, chapter 14, Jesus explains to his disciples... The Father is in me, and I am in the Father, and I do this so that he may be in you, and you be in me. That's what we're supposed to abide. So if I was to say, Linda Shaper, where do you abide? Well, you live on 600 West, but are you abiding in him? Are you living in the very presence 
of Almighty God? Are you trying to get rid of the distractions that are in this world? The world shines bright, doesn't it? And it screams loud. And the Holy Spirit whispers. And to know that still, small voice, to put all of that noise aside and listen, tune in to what the Holy Spirit is saying. Oh, Lord, speak, speak. Oh, yeah, yeah, I hear that. I hear. Read His Word. Oh, yeah, I see that. I'm going to walk in that. That's what I'm talking about. So whenever we say, you have to abide in Christ to have authority in the spirit realm. It's so vitally important. Hallelujah. And when we do that, man, it's a love, love, win-win situation. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. You've probably heard it said, we need to make the Holy Spirit, living in the Holy Spirit, our habitation, not just a visitation. Oh, isn't it wonderful whenever the Holy Spirit visits? Whenever He just comes in and He moves and He does something special. That's a visitation. And those things are great. I love visitations. But I want to go deeper than that. I want to have a habitation with the Holy Spirit. I want to live there. I want to abide there. I want to be able to look around and there He is. I, I, I can just begin to tune in and you, you sense that He's there in your presence. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Ephesians 6 verse 12 says, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Because see, you see this here, spiritual warfare, is, it's a battle in the spirit realm for the things that are in the physical realm. Does that make sense? That's what spiritual warfare is about. We are battling in the spirit realm to fulfill those things that are here in the physical realm. And the battle in the spiritual realm will change the physical realm. It's the spirit realm that should be ruling the physical realm, not vice versa. You know, we're made up of spirit, soul, and body. We're supposed to be led by the spirit, which renews our soul, which is our mind, our will, and our emotions. And all of that then affects what takes place in the body. We're trained since the moment we're born to do just the opposite. To live by your, by your flesh. If it feels good, do it. And then that affects our thinking. However we're living our life affects our thinking. And then that affects what takes place in the spirit realm, which is very little. It's supposed to be just the opposite. There's a story in uh, 2 Kings 6. I'm sure many of you know this. Uh, the uh, Syrian army is coming up against Israel. And the S Syrian king, he announces to his captain what they're going to do, what their next strategic uh, move is going to be with the army to come against Israel. And every time he says what they're going to do, the prophet Elisha hears him by the Spirit, and he tells the commander of Israel what their next move is going to be. And Israel's always ready for what the Syrians are going to do. And finally, the Syrian king, he becomes frustrated. And he said, who is it that's betraying us and giving out our secrets? And they said, it's none of us. It's the prophet Elijah, Elisha. He's hearing you even in your bedchamber. And he said, I'm going to send out an army and we're going to take care of him. 
going to send out an entire army of people for this one man. You know, that's exactly what the devil has to do with you when you're walking in the Spirit. He has to send out an entire army for you. Why is that? Because the Bible tells us that one can put a thousand to flight, two can put ten thousand to flight. We, there, there's power in who we are in Christ Jesus. But we have to walk in it. It's just not automatically given to you. We can't have sloppy agape and expect the anointing to be upon us. We have to be walking in truth. We have to be walking in obedience. And you can do it. You most certainly can do it. Here's how the story goes. They're already there, and, he, and, and the Syrian army is beginning to come against uh, the Israel army and Elisha. And in verse 14, it says, Therefore he sent horses and chariots and a great army there. And they came by night and surrounded the city. And when the servant of the man of God arose, this is the servant of Elisha, arose early and went out. There was an army surrounding the city with horses and chariots, and his servant said to him, Alas, my master, what shall we do? He's frightened. I mean, the, the hills are covered with the Syrian army. So he answered, Do not fear. That, that, that's the answer to every one of your situations. You, you know that. Every situation you're in, that is the answer to your situation. Do not fear. Do not. What's your shirt say there, Bob? Stand up, you're a walking billboard. It says something along that line, I believe. I will fear no evil. That's good preaching, Bob. <laughs> I will fear no evil. I will, I will not, don't fear the devil. Whenever you're walking in the things of God, there is nothing to fear. Regardless of what situation you're in, whether it's a health situation, a financial situation, an emotional situation, it doesn't matter what the thing is, do not fear because God is with you. And if God is for you, who can be against you? Hallelujah. So he answered, do not fear for those who are with us are more than those <laughs> who are with them. Well, yeah. Satan fell and took one-third of the angels. That means two-thirds of them are on our side. <laughs> and that also means that just one can put a thousand to flight and two can put ten thousand to flight. Yeah, they are outnumbered. It doesn't matter what it looks like. And to many of you, you look at your situation and your situation is bigger than God. God is bigger than anything. And nothing is impossible for him. And he can handle your situation. He's not wringing his hands over the state of the affairs of the United States like I am. <laughs> He's not worried. He can handle it. Hallelujah. He says, do not fear for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray, open his eyes that he may see. It's a good prayer for all of us. Open my eyes, Lord, that I might see. Because there's this spiritual realm that oversees and rules what we see. The unseen rules the seen. 
Lord, help me to see what I cannot see with my natural eye. Help me to see in the Spirit what is taking place so that I can be active and be effective here upon this earth. So Elisha prayed, open his eyes that he may see. Then the Lord opened the eyes of the young man and he saw. And behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. So when the Syrians came down to him, here's, here's what, I, I wonder if you see this. When the Syrians came down to him, Elisha prayed to the Lord and said, Strike this people, I pray, with blindness. And he struck them with blindness according to the word of Elisha. Do you see something here? There's this vast army of the Syrians. In the spirit, there's a vast army of the host of angels of God that could absolutely annihilate all of, the, of Satan's team. With all of that going on in the spirit, Elisha doesn't even use any of that. He says, cause them to be blind. And they are blinded. Then what's he, what he does, don't have the scripture for it. He leads them into Samaria. They have the opportunity to kill all of them because they're all blind. But he, but he commands them, no, don't kill them. Give them a big feast. And so after they've given them a big feast, then he says, open their eyes. And they were so grateful that they had not been killed that they went back to their country and never bothered Israel again. Do, do, do you see that... Elisha had all of the hosts of heaven available to him because of his walk with the Lord. But then he didn't even use them. He said, Lord, make them blind. Do you see how easy it is for the Lord to handle situations? He can handle your situation. He can do far beyond whatever you can even ask or think. And it's, 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 it's a chore sometimes for us to begin to see God as who he really is. I mean, he is God. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. It's as Pastor Josh said a few weeks ago, the, the fight is rigged. The fight is rigged. But, but we have to engage in the battle. It's our responsibility to enter into the battle. It doesn't come naturally. It comes supernaturally. And what I'm looking for in my own personal life is for the supernatural to become natural. Wouldn't that be a great way to live is to just naturally live in the supernatural? What a fantastic way to live. I tell you, I, I think, I, I've experienced in my life, I hope you have too, times in my life where I've been in supernatural peace. Have you ever lived in supernatural peace? Oh my goodness. What a wonderful place to live. And it just seems like it's happening more and more in my life. Just, just a, a peace that is beyond my own understanding. Jesus Christ is the Prince of Peace. And when I live in Him, I should be living in peace. How can we say that 
Christ is king, that he is my Lord and my Savior, and we're walking in turmoil and unrest, and we're nervous, and we're anxious. The Bible says to be anxious for nothing, right? So how many things should you ever be anxious about? Zero. Absolutely. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. So how does spiritual warfare work practically in your everyday living? I have two suggestions. Spiritual warfare, number one, spiritual warfare is done totally by prayer. Give me that first picture back again, Chad. That first prayer, spiritual warfare is done totally by prayer. Once again, it's not something that we strain and we grit our teeth and we pull our eyebrows down and we have to get mad at the devil and we have to yell and scream at him. No, just rest. Just rest in him. It's a life of prayer. Spiritual warfare is in your prayer closet or it's in your driving down the road. I can be driving down the road and I'll think of something with one of my grandkids and I'll begin to just speak to the devil. You do not get them. You're not having my grandkids. You don't get a one of them, not a one of them. They're all going to serve you all the days of, of their life. You get your hands off of them. You cannot affect their thinking. Get out of their life. I rebuke you. I bind you. That's spiritual warfare. That's how this thing works practically. In your prayers. Jesus, or God the Father, put everything into motion. How? With his words. He spoke. He said, let there be. And it was. Then he, he shows us the power of our words. He says, death and life are in the power of the tongue. You and I, we, we, there's power in our words. And he's trying to teach us to speak. And here's, here's what we need to do. Just like this picture says, the, the Bible is right there. If, if our words would line up with the word of God, there's power in that. Don't be just trying to think up what you should be saying. Just go to the Word. Find a scripture for your situation. Have the Word hid in your heart. Know what God's Word is. That doesn't mean you have to have everything memorized. But have it down on the inside of you because what goes in is what's going to come out. From the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Hallelujah. Why are so many people just speaking trash? Because they put trash in. And when it comes to the devil, we speak to him. Jesus, Jesus had two main ways that he came against the wiles of the devil. Do you remember whenever Peter was with him? They had just come down off the Mount of Transfiguration. And Peter said, we're going to build these tabernacles. And Jesus said, no, no, don't, don't do any of that. He said, I'm about ready to go and be crucified. And Peter said, no, that's not going to happen. That just isn't going to happen to you, Jesus. And Jesus turns around and he says, get behind me, Satan. Now notice, he, he wasn't calling Peter Satan. But he was addressing the resource, the, the place from where those words were coming from. Those words were coming from. 
the devil. So he was saying about what Peter had done, what he had said. He's addressing that, and he's saying, get behind me, Satan. So there's times where we, did, we talk to the devil. We just tell the devil where to go. Another tactic that he had was whenever he was in the wilderness. And Satan came and was tempting him for 40 days. And Satan was twisting the word of God. That, that's what the devil will do in your life. He'll, he'll twist the word. Well, doesn't the word say this? He'll, he'll tell you a little bit of the truth about the word, but not the full truth of the word. That's why we need to know what the word says. And so Jesus came back and said, well, let me finish out what that word is saying that you're, you're trying to fool me on. You're trying to trick me on. Let me tell you what the rest of that is. And so he fought the devil, the word. He showed him what the word really said. That's what you and I need to do. We need to use the word of God to fight against the devil. So we're commanding the devil. We're commanding demons. And we are using the word. That's our warfare. That's our weapons. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but, but, but mighty in the pulling down of strongholds. Hallelujah. So God, he, he begins to instruct us to use our words. So here's once again what spiritual warfare looks like. It's whatever situation you're in, if it's a demonic influence, that is a mountain to you. Let me read Matthew 21, 21. So Jesus answered and said to them, Assuredly, I say to you, if you have faith and do not doubt, you will not only do what's done to the fig tree, but also if you say to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea, it will be done. So if you have a demonic influence in your life that you're facing, whether it's with a family member or, once again, finances, whether it's a marital situation, it doesn't matter what the problem is. Many of those are demonic influence situations. Now, notice I say a demonic influence because, you know, there's some situations that we're in just our own dumb fault. You know, you, you're, you're spending money unwisely. Well, you're going to be in financial problems. You're, you're living your life unwisely. You're causing yourself a lot of grief. You're having an extramarital affair. That's not healthy. It's not good. And you're going you're to pay for it. There's going to be consequences to that. And to come and, and try to rebuke the devil in that area is not going to work. Because you've made some dumb choices. What do you do? Whenever you've made dumb choices, same thing I do when I make dumb choices. I have to repent. I have to get before the Lord and say, Lord, forgive me for that dumb thing. I don't know what in the world. Forgive me for that. I repent of that. I'm not going to make that dumb decision again. Can, can I just be practical with you? This is how this thing works. This is how this works practically. But then there are those things that are demonically influenced in your life because the wiles of the devil are trying to trip you up and trying to take you down. And so in those demonic situations, whatever it is that's in front of you, that is a mountain 
And you have the authority in Jesus' name to speak to that mountain. Mountain, be removed. And you give a name to it. Lust. Pornography. Bitterness. Greed. Whatever that is that is a stumbling block to you, you speak to that thing and you say, be removed, get out of my way, because I'm going forward with the Lord. That's how spiritual warfare works. You speak to it. There's power in your words. Life and death are in the power of the tongue. So you pull down those strongholds in the mighty name of Jesus. And then you rejoice in victory. That's why it's so important that we know how to praise. We know how to worship. But man, there's power in that. Whenever I have rebuked the devil and then I just begin to praise, praise the Lord for the outcome. I praise him before I ever get, get the victory. I thank him for the victory before I've even had it because I know I'm going to have a victory because Christ's in me. If God is for us, who can be against us? So I begin to praise him and I rejoice and I, I worship him. Hallelujah. I just thank the Lord for his, for his great mercy, his grace and his favor. So why, why is it that you have such a such power in your life that is at your access if you'll live the life is grace. You, you said earlier, you know, what, what is grace? Grace is the unmerited favor of God. Do you know you have unmerited favor on your life? You, you are favored among the Lord, among the things of God. You are his beloved. And he has favored you. I don't have time to go into it this morning, but favor is positional. It's not conditional. Favor is a place that you have been put because of his grace and his mercy. It, it doesn't have anything to do with your condition because you can say, man, it sure don't seem like I'm living in favor. I mean, I've got this going on. I got that. You're still favored. Do you think Joseph felt like that he was favored whenever he was in the dungeon? Do you think Joseph felt like he was favored whenever his brothers threw him in the pit? But he was favored. He come from the lineage that was going to lead to Jesus Christ. He had to be victorious because of who he was, because of the lineage that he had, because of the promises that had come to his family. So it doesn't matter how you feel or may, even the, con the condition you're in. It's not condition, it's position. You're in a position of favor. Whether you're living in favor, whether you seem like you're living in favor or not. We just continue to believe, man, I know I am favored by God. I don't know how he's going to work this crazy thing out, but I know he's going to because I'm favored. I'm his son. And that's the way you have to believe. You have to walk in that. You have to trust in and rely on that. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Number two, spiritual warfare is done totally on offense. First of all, we said that uh, spiritual warfare is done by prayer. It's in your uh, praying and your speaking. Sp secondly, spiritual warfare is done totally on offense rather than defense. That makes spiritual warfare positive 
It's, once, as I just said, it's not conditional. So that's the second point. Spiritual warfare is done from an offensive, not a defensive. And sometimes we're just trying to, just trying to maintain. If I can just survive. Well, you know, we're not survivors. We are victorious in Jesus. The Israelites, whenever they were coming out of Egypt, they, they came from not enough to 40 years in the wilderness of just enough. And then they went to the promised land that was more than enough. That's the way God has taken us. He's taken us from before Christ, not enough. And he's just bypassed just enough. And he's taken us right into more than enough. God is more than enough in every situation that we ever face. Hallelujah. He works. You have to believe what I've said so many times. You have to believe that he is going to work all things together for the good. Regardless of what situation is taking place, regardless of what you're going through, somehow he is going to work that for your good. And he can get the glory for it. Hallelujah. I'm at the end of my time. I'm trying to figure out how to wrap this up. I guess I would wrap this up by saying this. We, we can't just know that we are to do spiritual warfare. We have to engage in spiritual warfare. Are you fighting for what God has put before you? Are you fighting day in and day out against the wiles of the devil? You know, just three weeks before the Apostle Paul uh, was martyred, it's believed that he wrote this just three weeks before that. 2 Timothy 4.17 says, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Hallelujah. I have fought the good fight. Now see, there's some of us in this room who you're going to go to heaven. You're going to make it you're gonna, you, because you receive Christ as your Savior. But you're not going to be able to say this, this verse because you didn't fight. I've fought the good fight. Man, I've fought against the wiles of the devil who is trying to steal my joy, who's trying to steal my prosperity, who's trying to steal my, my family. He's trying to steal. He's trying to, he comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. That's, that's all he's trying to do. He's trying to steal and kill and to destroy you. Enter into the good fight. I've fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. I want to be able to say that at the end of my journey. And I want you to be able to say that. How can you say that? It's by entering into spiritual warfare. And understand that there is a battle to be fought. A battle that has already been won. But we have to enter in. We have to engage. Does that make sense? All right. One, I'll give you this quote that I gave you earlier. Bob Goff said this. Instead of saying I'm going to believe in Jesus my entire life. I've been trying to actually obey him 30 seconds at a time. How about we begin to do that? This week, begin to obey the Lord 30 seconds at a time. Lord, what would you have me to do in this situation? Lord, I, I want to hear your voice. I want to do what you're saying to do. I want to be obedient to your call. Help me, Lord. Oh, Lord, what would you have me do in this situation? What would you have me? 
Devil, you shut your mouth. Get out of this situation. I will not allow you to continue to wreak havoc in my, in my family. Whatever the situation is, begin to speak to it. Begin to obe- be obedient to the Holy Spirit. And begin to walk in such victory that only God can get the glory. Amen? Hallelujah. Stand with me. Praise the Lord. Father, I'm so grateful for your mercy and your grace. I I find it amazing, Lord, that you, the God of all creation, would invite us to be a part of what you're doing in your kingdom. And you have empowered us to do your will, to do your work. May your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. May we be obedient to your call. And may you be high and lifted up in Jesus' mighty name. And if you're in agreement with that, say amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more messages like this or information about our church, please visit HarmonyChurchFamily.org.